Minnesota basketball fans, welcome back to the Living in Loserville podcast. He's Aaron, I'm Chris, and we're here to talk some Timberwolves slash Gophers basketball with everybody. Obviously, you know, the, the Wolves have been taking care of business. They've won four straight. Um, if you back it up even further, I think it's like eight and three. Um, January in general, we talked like the last few weeks, last week as well, that January – you know, that was damn good. And so far, they've been able to, uh, you know, carry it over. So they have a, a stretch of games that we will uh, talk about. We'll start with recaps last night, uh, sweep of the Pistons, which those games were actually had some tough moments in it. They're actually pretty good games, uh, even though last night the score wouldn't really tell you that per se. But there were some tough uh, moments in it. Still got some good tests out of it. But then there's a busy, busy week. This week, starting Tuesday, back-to-back games uh, against Sacramento at, on the road at both back-to-back. That's funky. That That's not easy, no matter who you're playing, to win back-to-back nights against the same team in their home arena, even if it is half full. Um, it'd be kind of interesting. The four games this week that we'll talk about, of course, the, uh, the bench has stepped up a whole lot. We'll talk about a variety of those. Looks like Beasley and and others have been turning the corner along with some of the guys we've been talking about lately. The trade deadline is approaching. Will they make even a minor move? Will they surprise everyone at this point and make a big splash? How much does that kind of mess with, you know, what we got going right now? Sure, we're not a third seed, but we are gelling pretty damn well, especially this young and a good chunk of it inexperienced players, especially you know, experience playing together. So we're going to talk it all through. If you listen to the show, you know that we do end the show this year anyway. Um, in years past, it was Gophers heavy and then Tim Royals in the second part a lot of times. But this year, uh, no disrespect to the Gophers basketball club. They they were dealt a, a tough, you know, Johnson dealt a tough, uh, you know, cards, man, a, a tough hand. So we're going to talk a little bit about that to close out the session, but if this is your first time listening to the Living in Loserville podcast, welcome. It's available in a variety of ways. It streams live on blogtalkradio.com forward slash rope radio. You don't have to go to Blog Talk and rope though. You can find this year podcast under the rope radio podcast on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Player FM, TuneIn, Amazon Music. We're also part of the Grueling True Sports Podcast Network. While you're at it, why don't you head on over to thegruelingtruth.com and also well over a year now, um, Aaron started this page on Spricker. It's called Living in Loserville. Check it out, Spricker, Living in Loserville. It's this show plus, you know, there's some other uh, podcasts he does that you may like. Check it out. Um, and, uh, and one more thing. If you're thinking about cutting the cord or you have, you're not quite happy, I got something for you. It's called Direct TV Stream. The prices start as low as $69.99 a month. This is the best of live TV and on demand. No annual contracts. No hidden fees. If you upgrade to the Choice or Ultimate package, that'll give you three free months of HBO Max, plus you get to enjoy regional sports networks with no additional fees. If you go all the way to the Premier package, that'll give you HBO Max and Showtime already included. That's DirecTV Stream. All right, I'm going to bring in my co-host, Aaron, and see how he's doing on this. Finally, in the teens temperature day in February, and it looks like we got a nice little four or five day stretch where we're not 
negative one with the negative 10 feel with the wind. Yeah, I mean, that's nice. Four nice days coming up. But you never know. I mean, I kind of take all of the weather forecasting with a grain of salt. Speaking of a grain of salt, sorry about last week, everybody wasn't here. I had to work uh, with COVID and everything running through uh, the world. Uh, schedules have been kind of weird. So I know Chris did it solo last week, but I'm back this week. And it looks like the Timberwolves are on some kind of a run. Chris, I'm kind of hesitant to say it's a run because we've been – probably forecasting a run for this team for the last three years. Like Runs coming, we can see, but they managed to win a few games, and uh, that's good to see. Uh, you're right, the week coming up is going to be challenging. But I thought the last, you know, few – the week before last was challenging as well, and I think they came out just about as well as we thought they were going to come out on that one. Yeah, it's funny. Two and two, remember? We said, hey, it's all good if we can get the two and two and back it up. Like I said, eight and three. I think if you back it up a little bit further, it's twelve and five now. And uh, you know, we went over a variety of items from January, the last two podcasts, and, and, and how they just got that thing cooking. And they really do. I mean, it, it, it's been fun to watch. Um, really fun to watch. And actually, it's the fourth straight game they scored one twenty-five. Um, that's the first time in in team history and. You know, with that stat, it's really good this year, but you don't really look at it as like a, a team history thing because we all know scoring is, you know, at a much higher rate. But whenever you're putting up, you know, 120-plus, it's 121.5 in the last uh, – well, since January 3rd. Um, and it's it's shooting 48% from the field. It's less turnovers. It's points in the paint. It's spreading the ball as well. Um, that's been really – Spreading that ball uh, two nights ago, uh, 35 assists on 40 made field goals. That was the third most in a game this season. Um, I mean, it's just it's been a it's been a lot of good things, man. No doubt about it. And it's not just the you know the stats that you laid out, Chris. And it's hard to say as a Timberwolves fan, but I'm going to dare say that you're beating the teams that you should beat. Uh, you know, the Pistons shouldn't give you that many problems if you think you're a playoff team. Um, you're dropping a few, but that's to be done in the season. But I think you're, you know, you're getting to the point now, like I said, what, how many games makes a run, Chris? I mean, four in a row is nice. A run is eight, eight games. What is it? Six games. It's something like that. I don't know what you constitute a run. I think it's different for everybody. But what I find impressive among those stats is that when you come up against a team that you on paper should be, you are beating that team. And, that's just a good sign for, for things to come. And I really think, you know, as you progress, you'll start to beat teams that maybe you shouldn't beat or, you know, that happens from time to time. But, you know, 10 games out of a season is not too much to ask. Maybe games that you shouldn't win. And, you know, they're playing well defensively. That intensity is, I'm not going to say it's improved, but it's, I'd say maintained is a good word to, to say for that. And that's how you win games in this league. I mean, with the, points scored like the Suns they scored 134 on us and all that's not a defensive gold uh standard but um there's a lot of 109s there's a lot of you know 106s things like that where you're keeping teams uh from scoring at will particularly in the fourth quarter which used to be an albatross around our neck I mean we could be up by 10 in the end of the third and end up losing the game that's not happening this season and that's a bright spot yeah, or chunky years ago when Love was here, we'd be, you know, 
pretty mediocre and poor for three, and then we make a run late. And oh, we're we're number one in points in the fourth. Well, that's great. We're always coming back, you know. Um, but you're right. You know, in this stretch, there has been talk about um, not necessarily like you said the defensive intensity that's been there, but there has been a, a notch up in allowing points too. But some of it kind of comes, you know, if you're going against Golden State, or if you're going against Phoenix, like you said, that's going to be 115 and up more than likely, you know. But even like uh, two night, two two games ago in the first uh, uh, Detroit game, it was 100 to 78 at the end of the third, and the bench played a good chunk of those 12 minutes and really in the fourth quarter. And then the, like the last four minutes, they gave up a fair amount of points in that time. So that plays into it too. If you're, if you're sitting your starters or like some of these games where they have played most of the fourth quarter of the bench, because, Hey, you got a more than a double digit lead, you know, as far as 10 or 12, it, it's 18 and whatnot. And 178 close it up a third. If the starters come back, you know, D'Lo usually comes back a little earlier to play with the bench, but if the Stars come back by the eight-minute mark, seven-minute mark, you know, they're probably not going to put up as many points as they did. And last night, um, kind of back and forth uh, throughout the game, it was it was very competitive, and then they did kind of open it up 91-84 to 84 with, like, ten minutes left. Beasley went off last night, five of nine from three. He had 20 points and nine boards. McDaniels had this moment where he hit a three, came back down, made a nasty block. They, I think J-Mac fed him the three, and he, he knocked it down. Uh, did get, though, I think it's six home wins in a row. We, we were struggling there. Some of that had to do with the lineup and who was out. But we were struggling at home a little bit, considering, if you look at the record. Um, so that's six in a row now. But it was 107 to 102. And it was like, okay, let, let's close this out. It's like three minutes left. D-Lo got fouled on a three-point attempt, hit all three, had this weird leaner that he probably got fouled with, and uh, had a little dribble step back to kind of close it away with a three. Next thing you know, it's 118 to 105. So, yeah, we didn't get to 120, but, uh, you know, 105 is pretty good, too. It kind of sounds, you know, for, for like, not really old-timers, but you know, compared to teens and 20s were old-timers, if you look at it. Even saying 108 is not bad is kind of funny to hear when you when you look at it but um this run here you know has a set um three games now you know above 528 and 25 in the seventh spot denver we're knocking at that door of the sixth and really the fifth spot too um but that sixth spot only a game away we do have i wouldn't really go and call it a, a huge cushion with the clippers because they just made a trade actually too they'll get a little healthy uh, i think paul's going to be able to come back. Not sure um, about the rest out, um, especially Leonard. But that's a two-point, you know, 14.5 to 16.5. That's a two-point game on them. The Lakers are going to get healthy. Um, they're going to make a run. So I think the Clippers and Lakers will make a run. Portland without Dame Lillard, it's going to be tough. New Orleans, if they ever get Zion back, maybe they could make a run. But we're good. I mean, knock on wood, some would really have to go bad in the Timberwolves. Some would really have to go bad not to at least make the plan. But if you get that sixth spot, Aaron, you don't have to worry about the plan. No, you don't. That's what you're shooting for. Like you said, we're, we said that a few weeks ago. Is 
in our eyes, this is an evaluation year. And if you can get to succeed in an evaluation year, you can really start to formulate what your future might look like. And the playing game is the playing game. Let's say you win it, then you can go on and play in a series and also take a look at it. But if you actually have a seated position in the postseason, I think it gives you a better look, depending on if you win your series or whatever. But at least you get to match up and see what you might need and what you don't have. And you know, perhaps what you do have. I mean, I'm most impressed with last night's game with just the, and, and what's been going on lately is just the minutes distribution and how deep uh, we're getting in some of these games. I mean, we're down to two, four, six, eight, ten, almost 12 players, maybe even deeper for minutes of guys that are playing. Um, I mean, the lo- biggest stretch of minutes is Edwards at 35, but, um, you know, you're going to want to play Edwards a lot, but then Prince had two minutes and managed to get two points. And so you're actually, you know, as far as role players in your bench and guys you can use, you're pretty deep as a team here. Um, and again, you know, you have your core three that you think you're going to, you're going to ride with. So, you know, that's impressive to me is that you're getting, you know, seven minutes out of Noel, 10 minutes out of Reed. You know, I think he's a little bummed up or he would have got more minutes. McLaughlin was 16 minutes, Beasley with 22, McDaniels with 25. I mean, you're getting guys that are coming in and, and being productive all the way down your bench. I think with the exception of a couple guys that aren't getting any time, but I mean, pretty much using the whole team. And I guess that's a credit to Finch and a credit to the way these guys are playing and the way, uh, shots are falling and, and defensively. I mean, if you want prime defense, you've got to give guys a little bit of break. And I think that's happening. And that to me, that's an, the most impressive thing right now is that, you know, a lot of times you'd see Saunders in the day, he'd go seven deep, Chris, maybe eight, nine, but we're down to 12, 13 guys that are, are actually seeing the floor. And, and, and that's something to, to speak about. Yeah. And, you know, earlier, I think on the first podcast we did a couple of weeks back for, you know, the Timberwolves Gopher stuff when we transitioned from the Vikings Gophers football. Um, I, you know, it did feel like in the beginning of the season they were trying to go with too long of a bench because we're still trying to gel. Let's let the starting five play a little longer too, by the way. You know, we're still trying to gel. And then they tightened it up for a little bit, and now that's really paid off, like you said. I mean, just going off of last night as well, 24-12. and 12. Uh, by Cat, Tilo had 22 and eight assists. Uh, Ant didn't really go off. Still got five assists and, and, and two steals. Jaden, three blocks. You know, Pat Bev had a little mixture of everything. You're right. We're just getting a lot of help in general. And that ball movement has been a big thing. We talked about that I think two weeks ago. But if you look at the bench in general, which has been huge, um, if you look at like the most points this season from the Timberwolves. Um, there's one game in November, Charlotte, where they had 52. Other than that, 68, 57, 55, 53, and 51, those have all come January 3rd in on. Um, and, you know, we, we, we definitely uh, talked about uh, Prince and McDaniels and how it, they definitely, you know, turned the corner. Just last week I was saying, man, Prince has really turned the corner. Then he just goes off even more. Now, luckily last night, uh, he is day to day because I was a little afraid of either him or Nas, but especially the way Prince has been playing, just lights out from three. But now Beasley and J Mac getting a little run as well because, of course, you know, D just got back last night and Pat B got back a few games ago. 
So they, you know, he got some run too, uh, J Mac. So, and we know that J Mac and, uh, and, uh, and D'Lo last year played good off the bench. We saw a little of that as well. So the overall depth of the team, um, the passing, the, you know, moving the ball more so it is more catch and shoot instead of dribble, dribble and step back all the time. Now, once you've hit a couple, cool, do your thing. Um, and we're not talking about Steph Curry. He can shoot a three anytime he wants. But, you know, I think some of that was, you know, moving the ball, catch and shoot. And we talked about, I think, on that first first uh, show as well, that was the biggest transition from Ant himself is, like, they, they flashed that stat like 10 days ago, two weeks ago. 77% of his threes were coming from catch and shoot. So it tells you, you know, how much they've developed uh, just in general. Um, that way, but um, it really, you know, McDaniels does feel like he's back all the way. We talked about Prince. Now Beasley is starting to get his groove back, shooting yeah. 15, what would we say, 15 or 16 or 36 lately. He, he Man, if he can get going, it, it can get real pretty and real ugly for the other side. Yeah, that's a, if he can get going, Chris, I mean, and just be lights out for the end of the season and into the playoffs. I mean, that's a whole nother level of scoring that you're going to add to this mix. And, you know, he won't start, but all of a sudden, let's say your starters aren't hitting shots. All of a sudden you throw Beasley in and, you know, he can hit shots for you. Um, that adds a whole different dimension of instant offense in a way that you could use. Now you might give up something defensively, but that's kind of how it goes with shooters and, you know, of course, Beasley will have his nights that, you know, he's not hitting anything. But, I mean, those nights are starting to become less. And he shoots a lot of shots. And we'll get into it later about Beasley when we talk about trade rumors and stuff. about about. But, I mean, let's say he gets hot, Chris, for the next stretch of 10, and he's, you know, 40%, 50% from three. That changes your ideas of how available he is because that's the kind of guy you need uh, in a series to go ahead and, and maybe change the outcome of a game and then therefore change the outcome of the series. And like I said, it's all kind of heading into like, if we get into the playoffs, evaluating what we have, that is the key here for the season, I think. And in seeing, okay, well, Beasley's a, a instant offense. Can we afford to not have that? How hard is that to find, you know? So is it better to keep Beasley? I know everybody has them on the trading block and they're, you know, speculating all these trades, but it might be harder to find a guy like that than you think. And so that would be worth keeping on to. And McDaniels, like you said, is to me is one of those, like, I don't want to say Sean Elliott because that's big words, but obviously different body type and probably different position in the end. But I like McDaniels at the three and I like how he, is he a starter yet? Probably not, but he's, you know, probably projecting that way with the way he's playing and I like him, you know, running the floor. I like him shooting threes. I like him going to the basket defensively he Had a couple really nice plays. Uh, if it wasn't last game, then the game before. And so, the, you know, there's building blocks on the bench too. So I guess to round out this whole little rant is that, you know, you might not need much. Let's find out in a playoff series. Yeah. And, um, I, you know, that, that kind of like, Pat B's in the starting lineup right now and in a year, in two years, you know, that then maybe, like you said, McDaniels will move into that, 
that, that small forward spot. And by the way, we did – he got the, the chance earlier this year before Fat Bev. He just was falling a lot and just not playing. You know, I kind of think, like, the film was out on him and they knew how uh, he was going to defend him. And they were trying to get – they were getting more into his body. And like you said, on offense, too, he's shown us a little bit more. To your point about uh, McLaughlin and Beasley coming off the bench, or just the bench in general, um, the Wolves are down 82-79. to 79. This is Dane Morgan kind of uh, breaking this little point down in his tweet. And I remember this like, wow. It was like um, late in the third, and uh, J-Mac Beasley come in. Um, and next thing you know, it's overall – with them on the floor, it's a 38 to 19 run, and it's 117 101 when they were just down 82 to 79. And maybe that's not going to happen again for you know 10 days, uh, four games from now. But like you said, in a series like that or whatever, just down the stretch, winning these games to, to keep that spot, that is huge. And, and just kind of looking at something coming up this weekend uh, or for this week, you know, right now, obviously. If you know, set you want to be seventh or eighth anyway, because then you get two shots at making the playoffs and the playing. You know, you definitely don't want to be nine or ten because then you got to play to be able to try to get in the play. You know, you you beat not nine or ten winner goes against a seven or eight uh, loser. So you definitely want to be seventh or eighth regardless. Um, but looking at it here, at sack at sack Tuesday Wednesday back to back. Then there's they're all of them are on the road by the way, at Chicago, which we don't know exactly who's going to be healthy there, uh, if Zach will be back by that time or not, and then at um, Indiana, and Indiana's one of those teams that it may look a little different by the time we get to them after Thursday's trade line Wednesday night. There's potential for that as well, um, for Sacramento not to have. Uh, you know, so some missing parts in general because they're about to trade them and why sit there and tear somebody's ankle up. Going into these games, though, uh, Terrence Davis, a vet, he's probably out with the wrist. Bagley's day-to-day with an ankle. It sounds like Darian Fox is not going to play uh, tomorrow night. And he's day-to-day, but he may not play Wednesday night, and that's the type of thing that I'm talking about. It That might be that reason why. And, like, the good news officially on the injury report, day-to-day ankle and day-to-day knee uh, for Nas Reed and Prince. Um, so when you look at this stretch here, um, Chicago's the toughest game, obviously, especially at Chicago. They're playing great this year. They really added to their team majorly this year. They had, like, a, a, a good core, but they couldn't get in even with the playoff play in the last years. They couldn't get in the playoffs somehow. Um, it was just like, what the hell? And I was happy for Zach, but also, you know, you do got to win. As we know, we got plenty of guys that have put up numbers, but they don't get in, especially in the East that's stronger this year, but still was lighter then. Right now, um, they, you know, right now Lonzo Ball might not play in that, that game. Uh, so it's tough to know exactly who's in the game. But when you look at the stretch, Aaron, I'm kind of looking once again at – Either two and two, or three and one. Now we all know, as fans, we love four and zero. Oh. But I think we gotta be two and two, and three and three is realistic. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about health here at this point of the season. Who's healthy? Who are we playing against? Uh, who's out for other teams? Um, I think that 
you know, and also the trade deadline. Now that gets things a little bit wonky too. You could run into a Bulls team that just made a trade and they're, they're a little bit, you know, not as gelled up as they were. Same with, uh, like you said, the Pacers might be a different squad or just maybe a squad just transitioning from a trade. I mean, so kind of right around the trade deadline and who's healthy. And that's the thing about, you know, should the Wolves trade and we'll get into that, but consistency is going to be a big part coming down the stretch here. And here's kind of the beginning of the, of the stretch run of the season. So I think, you, you know, the Kings, you might get two out of that. Uh, splitting with the Kings is probably what you're going to end up doing. And then the Bulls, depending on where they're at and, and how you're playing, you could you could win. I mean, it's it's a winnable game. It's just will they? I don't know. The Bulls are especially playing very four well, in like a row said. on the road. You know, right? Um, and it, like you said, all road games, and we don't know who the Pacers are going to be when we play them. But if they are who they are right now, that's another tough game. So then you kind of want to get both Kings games. So you're right. Two and two is probably the most realistic uh, outlook, but I think three and one is definitely in the realm of possibility. And most likely, I think if we can continue the play in that, like you said, that's Beasley hitting shots. That's everybody hitting shots and playing well defensively. I think you could possibly go four and no, but I'm not going to hold back on that one and try to say three and one is, would be my expectation settle for two and two. And I think we're probably going to see some, you know, God, it's tough. I'm going to go with probably Probably two and two, but I, I'm not. I'm not afraid to say three and one. I just don't. It's realistic. You got to. You got to win that that second Kings game, and like you said, back to back games against the same team is is a tough ask. Yeah, obviously they don't have. You know, one of their, it's not just one of their best players. I mean, Halliburton's a damn good player. They got other really good players, but um, some players just dust you off. You know, like they just they for whatever reason they just can beat you or just that game they go off like that just that's just how it is sometimes and that's fox for us i mean it's he 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 has been now we haven't played him with pat b i should preference that uh so you know he may throw a close line and it may be early but i will say this having those back-to-back games i'm guessing we're not going to have either Nas or prince and then do you want to in it because because you don't if you play him then do you want to play him on a back-to-back coming off a fresh injury on sunday probably not right so i'm I'm guessing those guys aren't going to play either of those games so now all of a sudden okay that's two bigs in a sense because small forward power forward for prince that all of a sudden that gets a little funky we're gonna you know lean on our starting five a little bit more not so much guard department or whatever, but Beasley's going to have to stand up like we've said. But even just to the break, Aaron, beyond that, Charlotte and Toronto, then we have a nice little break there. So those six games, three and three and two and two, I mean, we'll get to those last two games when we have it, you know, as far as predicting. But three and three and four and two is definitely doable. And when we look at it, just talking about the trade deadline here coming up, and we do have to kind of, you know, we got to remember a couple of things. First of all, everybody take a deep breath. Take a deep breath. Count to 100 if you want or 10, whatever it is. And, you know, we had that. I remember seeing that video basically yesterday. It was two years ago when we made all those trades. We brought D'Lo and Beasley and that ended up with McDaniels and Bando and all this stuff, right? And we say, God, someone was saying it was three years ago. It's like, dude, that wasn't three years ago. Stop. And not only that, but when we did get D'Lo, he played – one game with Cat, and remember, Cat got hurt from the last, last like, ten games, and then COVID hit. And then we didn't play together until the next 
fall because you could barely even play five on five. The, if you weren't in the bubble, you were kind of screwed. You know, if you weren't in that NBA bubble, it, it was rough. So, and then we saw what happened. And this isn't, like we said, we go back to there's reasons and there's excuses. These aren't really excuses. These are more reasons. They haven't played. I got the number right in front of me, and obviously we're going to go around the whole roster or whatnot, but the whole Cat and D'Lo pairing, right, because that's what it was then before we had Edwards, right? They're 36 and 26 together. Now that's 62 games. So that's 20 games short of even a full season of playing together. So – in that, and I say that not just to say calm down, you know, everybody, this still, this thing's still coming together, and we can kind of see it now. But also, how much do you want to mess with it that they've only been in sixty-two games, and since then, since COVID hit, and that nine months, you know, spurt where we barely did anything as a team, uh, maybe some team workouts and stuff like that, and little mini scrimmages, but barely even that for a while. Um, we added. Edwards, that first-round pick, and Rose says, hey, the Warriors, for a fact, did want, not I'm not saying Edwards, but they wanted that first-round pick. So that was nice to hold off on that now that we could see it in our rear view, but we added McDaniels. We made some trades. We brought in Rubio. He was really good for Ant and some other younger players. He's moved on. He actually just got traded again. Um, and now, you know, we got Pat Bev, which is a different version of Rubio bit more intense, a little bit more right there in your face, and obviously a better fit, per se. Prince is coming along. We, we got these pieces. We still think we just talked about Beasley, and, and obviously we'll talk about them right now, but it is kind of funky to be tooling with too much. We talked about this bench, and then if you're going to get rid of three guys off the bench for one guy, that is a you, – you are liable because we haven't played that much together – of messing up the stuff. But Beasley does seem like he is on the block, and there's a variety of guys. Covington was in that picture too, by the way, um, but he got traded. But it does seem like he's first and foremost. You know, we've heard everything from uh, Beasley in a first-round pick uh, for Marcus Smart. You know, we've heard good role players like uh, – um, Malik Beasley for Josh Richardson and maybe Romario uh, Langford. You know, Richardson, a 3 and D, shooting 40% and has this year and next year on a contract. And Beasley, by the way, technically has beyond this year two years on his contract, but that won't, it's really just one next year because it's a team option, which is a good thing when trading anyway, maybe next year or for us, because then you're like, well, we'll give him a try as another team. And if we like him, at least we have that team option that we can keep him around if we do like him. Um, what are your thoughts just in general, though? Kogi, Nas Reed are also on the block. What do you think here, man? Because all, you always want to improve your team, but it is a risk. Yeah, it is. And, you know, you surprised me. I didn't realize Rubio had got traded. Everybody knows how I feel about Ricky. He was Literally playing really just well. Happened, so it's oh, pretty okay. new. Yeah, to the Pacers. So the Pacers are going to look a little different when we face them. Um, well, Rubio yeah. won't be playing, though, because he's hurt, unfortunately. Oh, he's hurt. Well, okay. So then maybe they won't look a little bit different. Nonetheless, uh, to your question about you know, to do any, you know, I kind of fall back on the old adage, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But at the same time, 
you know, you don't want to pass up a, a great opportunity if it presents itself. Now, we did mention Marcus Smart in a trade that might be worth taking, but like you said, you don't want to lose three guys off your bench and in your rotation with the guys that you've been playing with and, and actually playing pretty well with. So, you know, I'm in the camp of at this point in the progression of the squad to leave it alone. We'll talk about it in the off season, maybe, uh, you know, see how whatever knock on wood playoffs go and, you know, and go from there. Now, obviously everybody doesn't think the way I do or you do, Chris. So, you know, if, if they do make a move and it is Beasley, like I pointed out earlier, you know, Beasley for all his faults can give you, can drop 20 and a quarter. And it's hard to find a guy like that nowadays who has the one, the balls to take the shots and two, to make the shots. You know, that's a tough thing to ask now. Nas at this point, trading him to me is why you need the, you need that size that you don't have right now. Maybe trade him for another big man and then you have the size, but then it'd have to. And then you, you know, I think you, Vando's untouchable just because he fills a position on your squad that you just have no depth at. And, uh, you know, so you're probably looking at trading guys possibly like Prince, maybe like, I think McDaniels is untouchable. If I'm the GM, McDaniels is untouchable. Um, but he's, his name still annoyingly gets floated out there in all these trade rumors. Like, you gotta be well, kidding me. Why would you? A month ago, you know, it was much easier to say that, you know? Yeah. Cause he was. Yeah. So I mean, long story short, Chris, I, I'm, I'm a, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Find out what you have this season. Go to playoffs. Now, I'm not going to pass up a great deal on paper, but at the same time, you know, it's going to have to be something that really catch my eye as far as a player that we get in return to, to give. Cause most likely Chris, like you said, it's not going to be one player for one player. We're talking about unless you add yeah. draft picks, it's going to be the bigger, like, the player, right? The bigger right. the player, the, 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 you know, the more it's going to be a combination of some bench players and possibly a draft pick for probably one player and maybe a draft pick. So do you really want to mess with what seems to be a good thing at this point when you really don't know what you have when the chips are down? I'd rather just stick with what you got, find out when the chips are down what you have, and then make a move then, you know, with a little bit more information about what your team is as opposed to now, you know, grabbing a sexy name or a, taking a flyer on somebody. It just doesn't make a lot of sense to me at this point. I, I think we agree on that. Can you hear me right now? My mic just got yeah, I can hear you, but you're quiet. I probably just because I replugged it. Hopefully, it'll come back. Um, yeah, I mean, clearly, we do have somewhat of a lot of jam of guards. I think that's pretty clear. Um, you know, we're playing Edwards at small forward technically in the starting lineup right now. That starting lineup is still plus thirty, by the way. Um, now that we got it back, you know, um, it's still plus thirty, still leading the league. Um, for starting line or for, you know, best lineups together. Um, but we've ranked, you know, Vando, you're right. I believe Vando's untouchable. I agree with that. Um, his deal is too damn good. We still got him beyond this year for two years. Um, at a steal of a price now. And there were some local media members. Oh, I don't like that deal. It's a little too much. Oh, are you sure? Are you positive? Um, but he's just come too far. But on offense, you know, he's improved so much passing the ball, finishing like crazy, um, and, you know, just finding, cutting really hard and setting the screen and rolling and all that. We know that. He's been awesome. But um, because he's all over the place, um, 
you know, on defense, guarding some of the, you know, hardest swingman and, and point guards out there, too, we're still 30th in defensive rebound. And maybe that's why some of our defense have gone down or it, you know, isn't necessarily, like I said, top eight or top five or something. That plays into it, too. You play great defense, and then you give up a freaking uh, rebound. Whether they score or not, it's still extra possession, blah, 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 blah. But when you look at that log jump, all three can log jam, I should say, all three of the starters, Bev, Ant, and Edwards, they can play pretty much all the guards. Edwards probably isn't, you know, he even said himself he don't want to play point guard right now, just in spots. But And then two guys off the bench we could mention we've been talking about. Three guys off the bench, technically, J-Mac and, um, you know. My point is, Beasley is, there is a log jam. And if you could trade Beasley for a leg- either a legitimate big man or just a solid big, I think you do it. I think you do it. That rebounding and defense, and hey, you know, I mean, Turner is awesome. I don't know if that's possible. You know, Simmons is still out there. Turner, there are when, whenever those guys get traded, you do want to be in on that as much as you can. You, at any time, you just got to make the move if it's the right move, if it's a good deal, of course. But I definitely would like some sort of solid backup, even if he is a third center or, or you know, whatever. I, I do kind of want that, and, and I think that's why Beasley's on the block because, hey, um, you know, we got literally six guys that can play guard and shooting guard and a little bit of small forward too. So that's why I think he's on the block there. And like you said, the, the, the weapon he can be especially if he's matched right. Nas Reed is definitely Okay, so here's a question, Chris. A, oh, go ahead. Quick question. In this yeah. regarding Beasley, and it's a, it kind of boils down to what I think about his trade value. We realize the weapon that he could be. Is he that right now? The last five games, yes. This season, no. That's just the bottom line, and that's why I think, hmm, you know. Now, I don't know what yeah. we can for sure get for him, but if we could get like a guy like Gordon, who has two, three years left on his deal, who's 31 or whatever, who's been the sixth man of the year or is in the top five for voting for sixth man of the year, and Houston ain't going anywhere. They're rebuilding. So they want to get rid of – they don't want to have Gordon on their team per se uh, for the next few years. Gordon gives us what we want in a more consistent way, especially when you're talking about going against the high-profile teams um, and also, you know, in a series. So if we could get Eric Gordon, for instance, um, yes, I'd much rather have him because he's way more consistent uh, than Beasley. And Beasley does seem like – we can't just say volume shooter because he's getting almost nine a game, right? three-pointers, but it does seem like he needs to be in the starting lineup. Well, guess what? Houston will probably put him in the starting lineup. Yeah, I mean, Beasley needs to shoot. That's a given. He needs to shoot to get his shot going. He needs to shoot to play defense. He needs to shoot to be productive. Gordon, to me, like you said, a bit more consistent all-around player. Um, I don't know if there's talks about Gordon, obviously, probably because he brought his name up, but um, you know, there's something, I guess if you have a stack bench, you know, and you can afford a guy like Beasley in his, what we think he could be, um, you have to have a lot of other parts for that to be a, a valuable part. So I think, you know, I think I've changed my mind a little bit on 
whether or not to keep Beasley. Um, of course, things have to line up, but, you know, the question, we know what he could be. Is he that? I asked because, you know, he has, to, we have to make that decision uh, theoretically within the next few days. And like you said, the last five games, he's been that. And he's been that other times, but consistently is he that yet? And I agree with you, no, he's not, which I think makes him expendable, not to mention the logjam at guard we've had for a couple of years. We've got to lose something there. And like you said, if we could get another front court player that's effective, and even like you said before the show, you know, defensive rebound, play defense, uh, get the bunnies around the basket, and just do the, the dirty work in the front court uh, along with Nas Reed and Vanderbilt. I think that's a more valuable piece at this time. And maybe, you know, get a big enough guy, you can move Cat to the straight-up four position offensively. And I think that helps him a little bit too. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, on, I'm on board with you on the Beasley, but it's just like what are you going to get back and, you know, what else do you have to give? Those are the common trade questions. But nonetheless, I think he is probably the most uh, tradable piece you have at this time. Any other items uh, with our beloved Timberwolves before we switch, uh, you know, switch down to our, our Gophers to close out the uh, show, sir? No, I did watch the uh, Gophers play Iowa, and what stuck out to me was similar style of play. I think is what Ben wants to do to what what Iowa does as far as the recruiting aspect and the uh, the toughness and defense and uh, shot making, etc. Um, we obviously don't have the talent that Iowa has at this point in time, um, but I can see the vision kind of being what they have going on at Iowa. And uh, I like that direction, um, but I think, you know, they're going to struggle, continue to struggle, and they have continued to struggle in the Big Ten just because I don't think they have the horses yet. But I think uh, I like the the direction it's headed, if it is heading in that Iowa sort of direction. And obviously you can't, have a mirror image to the Hawkeyes, but I thought that game was a good way of looking at both sides and seeing, okay, what type of players are we probably going to recruit? What type of play is going to be on the court? And I feel like that's probably the best uh, comparison throughout the Big Ten. And I don't know if you agree with me because a lot of people want to say Wisconsin is sort of the model here. But uh, I kind of think it's more more of an Iowa fit because a lot of times they find these kids shooting from barns and – small town Iowa and get them to the court. And I think that's what you can find here in Minnesota as well. I think you could say it's a combination of both. I mean, I don't really, there is differences, but I wouldn't, I will I mean, I definitely point to Wisconsin because they've had a way more success, but, uh, but I see what you're saying. I definitely see what you're saying. Uh, I think just in general, um, not worrying about a four and, you know, five star you're not going to get a five star until you get to the sweet 16 you may still not get one but you could maybe get three four stars you know you're not going to do that until they say uh you know what i kind of believe in it let's change the tide um that iowa game you know up 30 39 to 38 or something at half uh or 38 to 34 or something like that and then 37 to 21 that was rough the starters played pretty good uh battle he had a rough one. Uh, you know, he got fall problems. He shot one of 12, uh, 0 from 6 from the field. Sutherland was the only guy to score off the bench. Uh, that was rough. You know what I mean? But they still show that grinded out type of thing, no quit. I know it sounds, you know, cliche, but 
point blank, they were down like 16 or 18 points. I think it was 18 or 20 points to the Boilermakers in the second half. And they made like a 15 to 5 run or something like that. Got it shrunk it down to like six. Uh, no, ended up losing the game, sure. But I still see a lot of positives uh, just with this team not quitting. And coaches don't go out of their way, like Painter and like Izzo, to say nice stuff just to say nice stuff. Um, and, you know, Izzo's multiple times has said, even looking back before we're about to play him and, and some of his, you know, last, you know, he drew, drew up a play in the last 30 seconds, watching that, being impressed. And I, I think overall, to your point, it's just getting solid guys that are going to be here at least three years, if not that fourth and fifth. And another funny thing that's kind of coming together, and this is something that, funny enough, I was going to talk about on the college ball show in a little bit, is the transfer portal is not all negative. Okay, I understand some folks get a little freaked out or whatever about it, but the transfer portal was there in college basketball far before, you know, college uh, football. But I'm seeing a lot more depth in college basketball amongst the top 50 programs now because these small schools where these guys are like, dude, I'm dominating this. I want to go there. They're probably going to play two, three years, you know. So um, I just that all-purpose guys that – are going to stay that are just good college players, not worried about the, because so many times, like we said, now sure, if we were healthy a few years back and made the Sweet 16, like I said, Patino would still be here and our recruiting would be much better and all that good stuff. But I just think, you know, year after year, the best way to do it is try to get guys that are going to be here three to five years. You know what I mean? And I, and I, I like that it seems like Johnson knows that. That's how you're going to do it. We talked about how Tubby and Patino come in here with big names and got some really talented players, and damn, they had some good teams. But it never worked all the way, and then you go, man, if we could just have him next year, well, you, you can't. He's gone. We can't recoup yeah. like that, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's that's well said. I think it said a little bit better than I did. And, um, you know, you and you can't, you know, Rule out the fact that if you become a middle of the road Big Ten team and you find a hometown a hometown five star that wants to stay, that's that's a little bit more doable. That's a little bit more understanding. He might stay a season, might stay two seasons, you know. But you're still going to get a chance at them as opposed to like not having a foundation for your program and depending on the five star to come in and do something about it. I mean, if you're going to get these guys that are you know, serviceable Big Ten players for two to three seasons and then augment that with a, a high four or a five star. Now you're starting to talk about Sweet 16. Now you're starting to talk about uh, farther in the tournament. And, and I think a more solid overall bench and team that you want to have in the Big Ten because the Big Ten's a battle and you need depth and you need a lot of things. It's not just football. You need depth. You need depth in basketball too. There's some big, strong guys in the Big Ten that you might not find the ACC or or anywhere else. So, you know, I think that's the right way to go, Chris. I think we're both on the same page with that. I think also that that might take, you know, two to three seasons to actually build that foundation. Yeah. But okay. I think it's well worth it. And I think that was kind of Patino's uh, Achilles heel is that he he wasn't building that sort of foundation for the program. 
And I think that probably did him in in the end because he had to rely on some some other parts. And I think his recruiting angles were just a little bit different. And I think, you know, you build the, the ground floor and then you can maybe add a skyscraper here or there, uh, you know, when you sure. need it. And, you know, like I said, you're much more able to go and recruit a, you know, a Jalen Suggs if you have consistent, you know, all those other guys on the team and Suggs becomes an augment to your team as opposed to trying to be the salvation of your program. And that's a tough for a kid to kind of walk in and, and, and accept. Yeah, at least I feel like it is. And what uh-huh. you said about the transfer portal, I mean, that's, you're right. It's been around in basketball. I think that's a good thing that let's say you have a kid that's dominating in, in D2, you know, he gets to immediately get a chance to step up a league and, and see how well that goes. And I think that's kind of what this Gopher team has showed. Some of those guys can play D1 basketball and uh, become at least role players, if not more. So I think that opens up a great opportunity for them uh, so they don't have to score 45 their senior year and, you know, Wesleyan or whatever small yeah. school they're in. Right. You know, they can jump up a league, see how that 45 does in the Big Ten. And and I, I think that's a great thing. I, I I want to talk about that a little bit as well. Well, I mean, if it's a minor league for the NBA, might as well have levels, right? And might as well use it all all together. Um, but yeah, it's uh, you're right, building that foundation. And obviously, I don't think there would be as many one year guys either if it weren't for ten, twelve dudes leaving. You know, we can't really even look at it uh, in a negative view uh, at all. Uh, to be honest with you, this off this last off season. And sure, there's going to be like three or four guys that are going to go. Curry's obviously been here for like nine years. He's going, but um, you know, some of those guys did, are going to be here for two and three years. And we know that, uh, you know, rebounding has just been rough. <laughs> it's been so rough. I mean, we were already going to be a little undersized, but two bigs aren't even playing right now. They're going to be here next year. And they're going to play. So um, we'll see. All right, we'll be back next week. Hope you guys have a good week. Let's see if we can't go three and one or two and two for the Timberwolves and come back and talk about this stuff. And, and as far as the Gophers, man, they do are now finally going to get into a part of the schedule that, you know, Northwestern twice and, you know, get some wins, get some confidence. You know, we are going to talk NIT down the stretch, man, because that's more games, more reps, more practices. We'll be back next Monday. Peace. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.